BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, I'm Molly Jongfast, and this is Fast Politics, where we discuss the top political headlines with some of today's best minds, and it's not looking good for Mitch McConnell becoming Senate Majority Leader. What an excellent show we have today. First, we have the amazing surprise of being joined by Veep's Julia Louis-Dreyfus and executive producer David Mandel. And they're going to talk to us about the races in Wisconsin that they're raising money for. They have a huge event for that you'll hear all about. Then we'll talk to Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel about her race and all the craziness happening up north there. But first, we have Washington Post columnist and Trump Hawkeye legal analysis, George Conway. Welcome to Fast Politics, George Conway. Wow. That's right. This is like a new podcast, right? This is a new podcast called Fast Politics. And it drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And I know you're subscribed, so. Okay. There we go. (laughs) No, and I know you only call me when you're desperate for yes. That's not even true. That is not true. You had this amazing piece, an interview that we all read and poured over. You poured over it? What did you pour over it? (laughs) (laughs) And that's why my computer doesn't work anymore. The one, the only George Conway coming in to talk legalism with us. We got to start at the beginning, sir. In the beginning, there was what? (laughs) There was Donald J. Trump and he's going to jail. Explain to us what you think here is happening. Uh, What I think here isn't that complicated. It's just that this document scandal is about as simple a case that you could imagine. I mean, he took the stuff, he stole the stuff, he had no reason to take the stuff. And then we're learning every day about right. how he lied to his lawyers, his, his lawyers made false statements that, that he passed on to them, to the, to the government. And I mean, he, he, he's got a big problem. And we, you know, we see yesterday, I think in one of the reports was that he actually packed the documents himself, the first set that went back to the National Archives in January of 2022 and he did it himself and then he tried to get his lawyers to say hey that's it and of course that's not true and even the lawyers were scared of looking this lawyer cannon was scared of looking at the documents because he knew they were classified 
So he didn't want to go in there and look at the stuff. And sorry, isn't Judge Cannon a she? This is the lawyer. His, his name is Alex Cannon. Different Cannon. Sorry, I was just trying to not have the family name besmirched anymore with this mess. <laughs> Judge is loose Cannon. This is, I don't know, lawyer Cannon. And lawyer Cannon worked for Trump. And he, is, he, I think his name is Alex, he basically, and this was the story in the Post. Yeah, I want to talk to you about this Washington Post story. And the Times this morning followed through. The Times came up with it also after. This Cannon fellow basically said, I'm not making the representation to the to National Archives that all these documents are produced. Right, because he doesn't want to, he knows law. Well, he doesn't want to go to jail. So the, <laughs> ergo, um, so, so in that Washington Post story last night, it talks, there's a paragraph that I actually cut and sent to Maggie and was like, is this true about how Trump is saying that he packed the boxes? Who is it attributed to? It's not attributed to anyone. Well, I think it's well, because probably the lawyer, the people around Trump have basically said, you know, we didn't look at any of this stuff. And this guy Cannon was basically saying, I don't want to look at any of this stuff because there's, there's classified stuff in there. I don't know the sourcing of that, but there's no reason to disbelieve it. Right. Um, and the fact that that's true, if that's the evidence, if the people around him say, well, he told us this and he, he, he packed the stuff himself, which would be amazing. You know, he's got a big problem because it's his fingerprints are literally all over this, literally and figuratively. And he has no one to hang out to dry on this. And it's just so simple. It's not like January 6th where there are just dozens of people and hundreds of people and all sorts of things going on. And, and you have to show intent and, you know, he, he's doing it. This is easy. He took the stuff. The stuff was where it shouldn't belong. I mean, it's like, it's basically, he's caught red-handed. And if you or I had done this, we'd be in jail already. There's no question. Any other human being on the planet done this, they'd be in jail already. So Christina Bob is the one who signed that form that said they had returned everything. Right. The story last night, though, was different. Trump tried to get Cannon to say right. that. Earlier. First, yeah. Bob, I think, wrote what she wrote and signed a certification after the materials had been produced to the D Department of Justice in response to the subpoena. And it turned out to be false, as the raid at Mar-a-Lago eight weeks ago shows. And, you know, again, eight weeks. It's been eight weeks. We have yeah. not heard a single credible argument. We have no, heard no reason, excuse why he had these documents. We've had, heard no defense. Not legal, not factual, nothing. And so let's get back to this. Could Bob end up being the scapegoat for this? I mean, I don't think so, because I think what she's going to end up saying, I'm just guessing here, this is speculation, is, well, he told me to say that. Right. He represented that to me. Now, she, she, she had reason not to probably believe had him. reason not to believe it, so she probably has exposure. But all that should do is make it more likely that she would testify against him at a trial because she's got exposure. So if I were her, I'd get a good lawyer. I think she apparently does have a lawyer. Basically, I'd put it all off on Trump if I could do that, if I could truthfully do that. There's another case in Trump world. Another case. There's like different categories of legal cases here. There's the Trump as defendant cases, and then there's the Trump as plaintiff cases. Uh, I, yes. <laughs> I want to talk to you about this CNN case. I mean, it, it's just absurd on so many. <laughs> I mean, it literally is. It's to the point. It's funny, except that lawyers actually sign this pleading. I mean, they should trustee. They should lose their yeah trustee, who <laughs> by the way 
told the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals in the documents case that, oh, we're very busy. We can't we can't do an expedited appeal. And then this same day files this crazy, <laughs> frivolous lawsuit. Um, but I mean, it, it's you, first of all, he's claiming rep. OK, defamation is claiming damage to reputation. Right. OK. And so the alleged damage to his reputation in this defamation case is that he was called a liar because right. CNN <laughs> said that his election lies were the lies. big lie. Yeah. So this man is literally the most documented liar, prevaricator in the history of recorded mankind. Recorded history of mankind. Maybe there were there were there were bigger liars. Maybe Goebbels told more lies. But we got more. We have more documentation thanks to the internet and television than anybody you know than than any liar in human history. This man, I I, I don't know who else could compete with him. And right. you know the, the, the Washington Post at thirty three thousand over four years, and you know they just I'm sure they didn't get everything. It's impossible. Right, right, right. The man just opens his mouth and he lies, and he's claiming that his reputation could possibly suffer damage because somebody said he's a liar. I mean, literally, he, there's, there's this concept in the law of being liable proof where somebody's reputation is so bad they can't possibly show any damage, even if they show right. that there was a false defamatory, otherwise defamatory statement made about them. And Donald Trump is pretty much liable proof, particularly when it comes to the question of his character and veracity in particular. Right, right, right. And that, that's that's only one absurdity of the case. That's just that's just sort of like the overarching absurdity of the case. I mean, as a legal matter, it's pure opinion how big this lie was. He lied. It's falsehood. It's a falsehood. And his complaint is that, you know, people are using the big lie in the sense that they're using the words that conjure up the, the I don't know how you say it in German, the Grosslige, the big lies of the Nazi propaganda machine in the 1930s and 40s. And it's like, that's a statement of opinion, how bad he is and the, making the comparison of his big lie to other people's big lies in history. That, that's, that's, that's a pure statement of opinion and that's protected by the First Amendment. This case is the most ridiculous thing you can imagine. My favorite part in it is, did you get to the part with... Um with Linda Ronstadt. Yeah, what was that about? I didn't, I, I, I confess I did not read every line of the complaint. So Linda Ronstadt said bad things about Trump. Ergo, <laughs> he wants, Trump wants to sue. Uh-huh. And then there's also Fareed Zakaria saying that Trump isn't literally Hitler. I mean, it just is an amazing case. I mean, I think it's the best part of it is all the pictures. Uh, okay. <laughs> Well, I'm um, sure Trump thinks the best part is all the pictures and basically can't read. <laughs> One more second. Let's go back to the CNN suit. $75 million for damages, 475 for punitives. And trustee, of course, is... Uh, Who would sign that document? It's crazy. And there's a lot of like Raskin claims Trump has called like grip over the GOP. I mean, how would you even prove? And then there's something from Fareed Zakaria's show. And then there's a lot of tweets. I feel like all Trump litigation has to involve tweets. It's an absurd thing. If you Google big lie Trump, you literally come up with millions of hits. CNN's malicious selective use CNN, of the big every, lie. Every news organization, right. NPR, MSNBC, op-eds in the Washington Post of the New York Times. I mean, you know, we've all used the phrase. I mean, like literally that has become the standard appellation 
for Trump's big lie is the big lie, which right, it was. Right, right. It, there's nothing really that describes it better than the big lie, the biggest lie of all, that he, you know, that the election was 2020 was stolen from him. The biggest lie ever told by a president in American history, the biggest lie ever told by any person in public life in American history. The notion that you can be held liable for just pointing that out is absurd. Yeah, it's absurd. I just want to get back to the Trump as defendant cases. There's the document case, which, again, if the DOJ is going to go for that, they're going to wait until after the midterms, right? I suppose so. Yes, I, I'm sure that's true. And then there's the Georgia case with Fannie Willis. Yes. The fake electors, right? Yes. Well, fake electors and attempts attempts to coerce and Happensburger. Right. There's this civil case in New York. Can we talk about that for a second? Absolutely. So that is the Tish James case, which includes, and I want to talk about this because I feel like people haven't talked about this. It was really last week's news cycle excitement. But in that case, she says, again, we don't know what happened to Alvin Bragg and why he's not pursuing this real estate, the fraud about the misrepresentation of the size of the apartments, which is actually a real thing that people go to jail for. And I've even known people very peripherally socially who've gone to jail for that. I mean, that is like a thing. But there's another thing there, which is she said she was going to make referrals to the IRS. Yes. And to the Southern District. Could you see a world where Trump gets taken down by taxes like Al Capone? I don't think that's the thing that's going to do it. I do think that this civil suit by Tish James is a big threat to him because the potential remedies under the Martin Act, the state law in New York that she's brought suit under are pretty severe. Can you explain that to our listeners? Well, there's there's basically a general anti-fraud act called the Martin Act, which basically prohibits all sorts of kinds of fraud. I mean, Anything from you can use it for securities fraud, you can use it for general general fraud, and you can you know use it real estate, bank, whatever. I mean, it's a very very broad anti fraud statute that allows the attorney general to seek relief for people who commit frauds, and it's a scary statute to defense lawyers in New York because it doesn't require proof of fraudulent intent, which is typical for a criminal case, and and also it doesn't because it's a civil. Civil statute, it doesn't require proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, the false statements are pretty much enough. And he, you know, he's got no defense in these cases because he, he pled, pled the fifth. He, he pled the fifth 440 times. Um, his sons pled the fifth hundreds of times. Weisselberg pled the fifth. You know, and in a civil case, unlike in a criminal case, if you plead the Fifth Amendment, they get to use that against you. And so I don't know how he, Tish James's case is in any way defensible for Trump. I don't know how he defends that. And so there's going to be a reckoning there. But I, I think, you know, in terms of the criminal stuff, I don't, you know, is the Justice Department now, years later, going to take on this the taxes when they basically haven't done the tax? They didn't do the tax thing for years and, and they, they, they basically didn't uh, pursue this as far as we know. I mean, obviously Trump was claiming that he was audited uh, for many years, but we don't have any, indication that there's ever been a federal investigation into his finances or taxes. I don't know whether they're going to start doing that now because it would be basically just like, okay, we're going to really do this for three years and then and, and then may or may not bring a case when we've got these other cases that, that are actually percolating that where we got them dead to rights, like the documents case. So I, I don't see those referrals as 
going anywhere. The only right. thing is it's possible that maybe actions that she has taken, her case might actually might, might re-enervate the district attorney right. into reconsidering whether or not he would bring criminal charges. Might, but I, I, you know, again, I don't, I don't. Might remind Alvin Bragg about what he was elected to do. It might. I don't know what Bragg's thought processes were, but, you know, he had a, he, in a criminal case is a higher burden of proof. Right. And it'd have to be proof of, of his actual criminal intent. And without some witness like, let's say, Alan Weisselberg saying, yeah, the boss told me to do this, that is tough. But again, the civil case is, is much different. Right, because why? There's a lower burden of proof with a Because there's a lower burden of proof. They don't have to necessarily prove fraudulent intent for some of these claims. It's preponderance of the evidence, and they can bring in the Fifth Amendment assertions as evidence that the answers that they refuse to give because of the Fifth Amendment would be adverse to them. Right, right, right. With the civil case, you've got Eric and Don Jr. and Ivanka. That seems like, I mean, when you see Bill Barr on television, one of Trump's great detractors now, and I wouldn't even say detractors, Bill Barr is really had enough, I think has had enough of Trump, right? Yeah, I think that's right. You know, I think his annoyance with Trump grew over the years. Here he was trying to help Trump and then Trump would go and make things difficult for him. And, and I think it just finally got too much for Barr. And also Barr pro- thinks at this point, I'm sure, that Trump is a liability to the causes that he, Bill Barr, believes in, which I think all Republicans should have concluded many years ago. Do you think that eventually there will be a sort of like, you know, if Trump's lost Bill Barr, does that mean he'll lose other Republicans or do you think it's just they just can't alienate the base so they'll just go along with anything? Well, again, it it depends on who you are. If you're if you're Bill Barr. Right. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You're not running for anything. Right. Okay, And you've you've got nothing to lose. But if you're somebody else, you're Mitch McConnell. You're Lindsey Graham. Or Lindsey Graham or you're Mitch McConnell and the the former president, you know, calls your wife out on the basis of race and tries to incite violence against you. You might not say anything because you're afraid of him. Do you think that's possible? (laughs) It it may may have just happened. (laughs) It's true. Thank you so much, George. This was really interesting and it's always really fun to have you. And you're not, our, you're, you're, you really are a number one draft pick and not a fill-in, I promise. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I sleep better at night knowing my family is protected if something ever happens to me since I was able to compare plans very easily at policygenius.com. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quote and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com.
Hey guys, Mario Lopez here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is the star of Veep, and Dave Mandel is the executive producer of Veep. Welcoming to the show, executive producer, creative genius, David Mandel. Hi. And Veep star, our favorite president, and certainly our favorite vice president, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Hello. You guys are doing uh, an event for the Democrats in Wisconsin. Talk to me about what is happening in Wisconsin. There's a lot happening in Wisconsin. I mean, it's the ultimate swing state, you know, the margin in Wisconsin was just 20,000 in 2020. Everything sort of hinges on this state. The governor and the Senate are important, of course, but there are huge races down ballot too. Yeah. The whole, the whole ballot up and down the ballot is really important. And we really have to try very hard to prevent the GOP from getting a supermajority in the state legislature, which, you know, they could do with just a few flips. We have to stop that or they'll pass all sorts of crazy type of extreme, horrible laws. And even then, Governor Evers won't be able to veto. So we got to pedal to the metal, whatever that expression means. I was just going to say there's huge repercussions. I mean, it's an important midterm election this year. And obviously, we'd love to grab the Senate seat and all these different things. But the down ballot elections, which are going to um, affect the governor and all of that kind of stuff, that's where the dividends are going to affect the next presidential election. And this is basically where the Republican playbook of how to steal an election runs through. You have to win Wisconsin if you're going to start messing with election results in two years. And it sounds, you know, all of this stuff sounds like weird, crazy stuff from our show. I mean, unfortunately, it's all true. Right now, the Senate campaign that Ron Johnson, the Republicans and the out of out of, uh, you know, they, you know, they always like to go, oh, there's Hollywood money, Hollywood money. There is so much money flowing into the Republican campaign there, like, you know, uh, and, you know, excuse the term dark money, which they are using to darken Mandela Barnes's skin in advertising that could not be more racist if they tried. I mean, it's 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 wild. And it's directly, directly out of Veep, by the way. Yeah. Directly out of we Veep. We feel bad. <laughs> Selena did it to Kemi on the show, and we sort of made it up. Like, Well, we didn't make it up, but, you know, it was like, this is about the worst thing we can think of. And they're like, oh, that's a great starting point. We'll, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll put that in our first ad. Yeah. I don't know where we're going, but that well, that's where we'll start. Yeah. We'll start here, and let's see where it takes us. Exactly. <laughs> it's such an interesting time in Wisconsin. Ron Anon, in my mind, that's Ron Johnson, <laughs> strikes me as a pretty bad candidate. The record of what he says, quote upon quote, is just sort of horrible. The support of basically Putin and Russia seems horrible, but he's just also a 
bad guy. He's one of those guys that puts himself out there as a self-made man. And basically the, what he self-made did was basically he married well and his father set him up and that's his, you know, it's another one of those, I did it all by myself and I don't want to help anyone only. Oh yeah. I married and kind of like my dad gave me a big factory. I mean, it's a bad guy. Yeah. I mean, there's also elements of Medicare. I don't want to say fraud because he was never charged, <laughs> but never, that. never charged, <laughs> never convicted. That's what I'm looking right. for in my candidates. Yeah. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, the other thing I want to point out, too, is that Josh Call, who's the Democratic attorney general, is great, and he would be huge for defending voting and abortion rights and voting rights, et cetera. So I just want to sh a shout out to him. We're doing a sort of Veep West Wing mashup as a fundraiser, which I'm really looking forward to. I think this is going to be hilarious. We're going to have a rehearsal this weekend, which I think will be a gas. It's going to be on this coming Sunday evening. And this is all to raise funds for the Wisdoms and hopefully beat the bad guys. That's the plan. I was just going to throw this in. It's like Sunday, October 9th. What is it? 5 p.m. on the West Coast, 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. in uh, the East Coast. And anyone can go. I got to just throw this in. Go to wisdoms.org slash Veep West Wing to sign up because we uh, we we really uh, we want a crowd, but we're going to, I think we're going to have a lot of fun. We get those questions all the time. Sort of, I feel like Veep people get West Wing questions and West Wing people get sort of Veep questions. And yeah. now for the first time, we're going to put everybody together and I'm, I'm dying to see Selena and President Bartlett. I'm dying to see Julia, you, <laughs> you and uh, Martin Sheen. So I'm very, that my own personal excitement. Yeah. I know, but I'm a little bit nervous about it because Marty Sheen is like the greatest guy in the world. He's a very devout man religiously, and I don't want to offend him because you know how what Selena's like. So I have to figure out how to thread this needle, but we'll, we'll figure it out. I'll, I'll have to write him a note of apology afterwards, I suppose. That's fine. <laughs> will, the, will, will the note be from you or Selena? Who's writing the note? <laughs> uh, it will be me writing on behalf of Selena. I think Apologizing that's for her behavior as if it was like a completely <laughs> other personality, which by the way, maybe that's the answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As someone who has watched all of the West Wing a couple times and all of Veep, like about 16 times. Like, I think there are a lot of people who would long for a Veep West Wing mashup. I, we're banking on it. We hope so. <laughs> there seems to be a lot of interest thus far and God willing, there'll be even more this coming week, you know? Um, so I, I hope so. It's kind of, I can't believe we've never done it before to tell you the truth. I know it feels like a good SNL sketch or something that we never, that somehow never got done in some weird way. But uh yeah, it's so it's fun because it's like there's was a little bit of crossover here and there. Like Allison Janney appeared with you, right, Julia? That was before I was on the show. And that was kind of fun. And Gary Cole was on both shows, which is kind of wild. He was uh, Vice President uh, Bingo Bob on the other show. And then <laughs> obviously Kent. But story-wise, it's like we did a lot of the same stories and ideas just from two very completely different angles. And that's what's kind of fun about it. Yeah. So we're going to just for people listening, come check it out because we're going to do some things where Veep people are going to do West Wing scenes. West Wing people are going to do Veep scenes and we're going to play some games. We're going to play a game Veep West Wing or the real world, um, which uh, is much harder than you would think. Really, really <laughs> difficult to identify. <laughs> As we continue on in this dystopia and America becomes more and more like Veep, do you ever think like, wow, 
we should go back, we should do something. I mean, or do you just worry that you sort of created a future that somehow has been, is being fulfilled? Well, I mean, I would like to go back purely selfishly just because it was such a joyful period of time making the show. It was just endless amounts of fun to do. Competing with the current climate that we're in, I'm not sure how we could come back, but maybe we could. I don't know. I mean, I'm always up for a conversation about it. I just don't know how we do it exactly. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I sort of unfortunately feel the same way, which is I think we are so much funnier when like government is trying to be good. The Biden sort of administration has been a start and maybe perhaps a second term or another Democrat one way or another. Maybe we can start to have that conversation. But when you spend your days like doing things like this Veep West Wing thing, which we're doing because we're worried about people stealing the election in two years. Do you know what I mean? Like actually stealing it, not the fake, not the fake nonsense, but like a legitimate like attempt to steal something. Like, it's just hard to make this all funny. The comedy of, oh, senators and congressmen might start getting attacked is just less enjoyable. You know, it's just, uh, right. yeah. Yeah, I mean, when democracy is in peril, it takes the irony out of the irony, doesn't it? It's almost like, the, yeah, there's no straight line anymore. You know, it's like you're funny because like, oh, this is what it should be, but we're doing this. But there's no now there's, this is what it should be. It's just they're insane. And so, you know, back to like on our show, we have Selena make the candidate's skin even darker. You know what I mean? It's like that's like that's not exactly it sort of stops being a joke, unfortunately. Well, I think you've hit the sort of the upper ceiling of satire, right? Like if things are just continually getting worse, you almost can't have satire. I think you can have satire. It's just a question of the kind of and the, the tone and the style of the satire. It's just a question of, I think that I, satire has a place in the world, I think under all circumstances, but I'm just not sure our style of satire well, I don't know. I, I reserve the right to change my mind on this. It, it might still work. It's harder to outdo them in terms of that kind of satire. Right. I guess. Yes. And, and certainly, yes, they should be deflated and they should be attacked in sort of all sorts of wonderful ways. I'm just not sure showing that they're bad by us being even worse keeps working. Maybe it's that construction. I don't know. But, oh, God, if when satire dies, that is truly when I, you know, buy my way into <laughs> Portugal or wherever, wherever I'm, wherever we're all moving later. I don't know uh, as, you know. That's the plan. So, yeah. Let's just have two more seconds on Wisconsin. So Governor Ivers is a big race. Then there's the Senate race, which is a Mandela Barnes. He's come on the podcast. He's really a great candidate who is being targeted. And then there are all these down ballot races, right? Yeah. Julia mentioned the secretary of state and then they have to hold the legislature because you can, if you have the governor and the Republicans have a super majority, then they can uh, override you know, overrule him. him. Yeah, exactly. Override, overrule. Sorry. And, uh, and yeah, so it is just, it is so important. Just again, we just keep, we keep saying it. It's like this mantra for us of just up and down the ballot, up and down the ballot, Wisconsin, 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 and the Wisconsin Dems, they're a really good state organization. And and, uh, 
you know, they make they make your money go far with their organization, getting people out, yeah. getting the vote out. And, and so it's a it's a good dollar to spend. It really is. Yeah. And you can sign up for the Veep West Wing event like at any level. No one's like, you got to give a million dollars. Give what you can. Any amount gets you into the event. There's going to be some giveaways and stuff. I honestly think it's going to be really fun. You're going to get a chance to hear the the Veep people being earnest, and you're going to get to hear some of the West Wing people curse. So that alone <laughs> should make you want to come and sign up. So please, yeah. Who are you expecting from Veep, and who are you expecting from West Wing? Excellent, excellent question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be there. You'll be there. I'm going to be there. Uh, Bradley Whitford's going to be there. I believe Tony Hale's going to be there. Oh, he's amazing. He's amazing. Tim Simons is going to be there. Matt Walsh. Matt is Walsh, going to be yep. There. Anna Klumski. And Matt Walsh is the only good Matt Walsh, just for those in the pad podcast world, because there's the good Matt Walsh, the actor, and then there's the bad Matt Walsh. Julia, I'm going to tell this story and I'm sorry. So I hope it's okay. Please do. I was so horrified. I get a text from Julia. This is like, a, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. I get a text from Julia and it's just like, what is going on with Matt? Like, it was just literally like, has he lost his mind? Is this some kind of a joke? Is he trying to make a joke that's not landing? And I can't remember what he said, but it was, it was so horribly wrong. And so right wing felt sort of a little fascist. I can't even remember what it was. It was really crazy. <laughs> I thought my friend Matt had had a kind of a nervous breakdown or something. I, I couldn't figure out what's going on. <laughs> so Dave had to tell me. I didn't realize that there was a nut job out there like that. So uh, yeah, anyway. Like, that's that's the other Matt Walsh. Sorry. Yeah. So it was, it was all good, but uh, it was really funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whenever I see him trend, I'm like, you guys, there's only one good Matt Walsh and it's the one from Veep. Yeah, totally. Or Matt Walsh. Uh, Just tell us the details again one more time before we let you go. Oh my gosh. It's uh, wisdoms.org slash Veep West Wing. Wisdoms.org slash Veep West Wing. Sunday, October 9th at 5 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Central time, and 8 p.m. Eastern time. A whole bunch of the cast of West Wing and Veep coming together. Uh, we're going to be doing... Uh, each other's scenes. We're going to be rewriting some scenes. We're going to try and West Wing eyes some Veep scenes. We're going to Veep up some West Wing scenes. Uh, we're going to play the game, which is uh, is very hard. I brought one with me. You want to hear it, Molly? Let's see yes. if uh, you ready. Yeah. Okay. Um, hold on. Let me let me find it. it. This is this is. I don't know. You you have to be a fan of something. I'm a fan of both. So and Jesse should also guess. Okay. What show? Ready? Yeah. Veep. West Wing or real life. Okay. So it could be okay. real life, could be Trump right. or a Republican or anyone or somebody good, could be some, you know, whatever. And the quote is crime, boy, I don't know. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> oh, fuck. I feel like it's Veep. I'm going West Wing. You're right, Jesse. West Wing. Mm. What? Yeah, it was uh, It was the guy that Martin Sheen ran against, played by James Brolin, sort of oh. the, their kind, oh, of, yes. uh, kind of George Bush stand in. In crime, boy, I don't know, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anybody can come to the party and you can, any amount of donation will be accepted uh, with open arms. And the more we raise, the better for Wisconsin and the nation. So please join us on Sunday. We'd love to have you. I was just saying, no, we're going to use all the money to try and lighten the photos of Mandela Barnes. I think that's where we're going to, we're going to spend a lot of our money. Yeah. So, um, yeah. 
Yes. Thank you so much, Dave Mandel and Julia Louis-Dreyfus for joining us. Thank you. As always, Molly. Thank you. Thank you. Dina Nessel is the Attorney General of Michigan. Welcome to Fast Politics, Attorney General Nessel. Thanks for having me. Is that what people call you, like AG, or do they just they just call you Dana, right? There's no like weird honorarium. Well, you can call me Dana, but I will say <laughs> that one of the things I think a lot of people don't know is that the proper terminology when you're addressing an attorney general is to call them general so-and-so. So oh. I actually didn't know that until before I was elected, I was hanging out with a bunch of the Democratic AGs at a conference and they heard everybody addressing each other as, you know, General Rosenblum and General Shapiro and General Healy. And I was like, <laughs> this is very cool because <laughs> I'm the kind of person that I only played paintball once because it hurt so bad. So to be called a general is um, I'm not sure that it's exactly fitting, but, um, you know, I'll take it. So let's talk about the last time I interviewed you. I think it was like before this race. And there was a lot of worry that the three women Democrats in Michigan. I mean, I think there was a lot of worry, all of us, because Michigan is such an important state and you have such a really militant far right militia there. But it seems like you guys are doing really well, all three of you in your races, Secretary of State, AG and Governor. I feel like you're such an important swing state. What do you think the secret is of your success right now? And obviously no one knows what will happen. But yeah, well, I don't I don't think it's a secret. I think it's pretty obvious, actually, is that you know, the Republican Party is so radicalized now. I know they love to call Democrats radicalized, but when you really think about it, Democrats, at least in Michigan, we represent the status quo. The status quo being that, you know, birth control should remain legal and accessible. <laughs> Abortion. You know, I mean, if you if you look at the position of the Republicans running in this race, I mean, I'm running against a guy who it's not just that he is happy to enforce our 1931 law that is no exception for rape no exception for incest, and no exception to protect the health of the mother. But he went a step further and said he's going to prosecute abortion, even if it involves having to save the life of the pregnant woman, that he would still prosecute, even under those circumstances. So I think that a lot of people have taken a look at some of these candidates, all of whom, by the way, are election deniers, and have have clearly said, no, thank you. We're not interested in that. And that's why I think at this point, at least, the polls are what they are. Again, you know, polls are one thing and actual votes are another. But I think that the electorate here finds these candidates to be frightening. So speaking of your opponent, he compared Plan B, which is I feel like it's important to just talk about this for a minute. Plan B is a pill you take the day after you think you might have unprotected sex. And your opponent compared it to fentanyl. Can you <laughs> explain? I mean, you know, firstly, he demonstrated a complete lack of knowledge about what Plan B even is, you know, um, this is not an abortion inducing medication. It it actually is taken, you know, as you were suggested in emergency situations, it's uh, a large dose of hormones that uh, causes the body to be released. It prevents the egg and, and sperm from joining into a zygote. And it prevents the, if there is a zygote, it prevents it from being implanted uh, into the lining of the uterus. So you really, it, 
you prevent a pregnancy from occurring. So even if you uh, are someone who is hard and fast in believing that even at the very, 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 very earliest stages of pregnancy that uh, abortion is inappropriate or you oppose that, this is not an abortion medication. It prevents pregnancy from occurring. But the interesting thing was my opponent, first he asked when he was asked about it, what is plan B? But then when it was explained to him, he said, (laughs) oh yeah, that should be banned. We should treat it like legal fentanyl shipments that come from without, you know, outside the border of our state, not understanding that it's, it's sold within pharmacies all around the state of Michigan routinely. Isn't it just a couple birth control pills? Yes. But the thing was, even when he knew and understood what it was, he continued to oppose it. And of course, we can all laugh about it, except for we're in a position where, you know, we may very well soon see Griswold v. Connecticut overturn the seminal case that allowed the legality of birth control in all 50 states both to be sold uh, and to be used, uh, in that case, by a married couple. And so for him to still be, you know, he's been very clear that he believes that Griswold v. Connecticut was not properly decided and it should be overturned. That's what my opponent indicates, as well as, of course, Justice Clarence Thomas of the Supreme Court, who's indicated the same. But then to say that he believes it should be treated uh, the same as a very, very serious narcotic, which is killing people all across this country. You know, so many fentanyl deaths I've stopped counting in the state of Michigan. And to, you know, to equate those two types of, of, of pharmaceuticals, I mean, it's just, it's incredible to me. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, such an interesting situation because you do have the Supreme Court. I'm curious, like I've talked to a lot of court watchers and a lot of them have this sort of pit in their stomach about this session. I mean, what's your feeling? Yeah, I I share their concerns. I think it's sad that people's faith in the judicial system has been rocked by firstly, of course, our United States Supreme Court and just the the real flavor unfairness to, firstly, how those individuals got seated on the court in the first place, but they're very extreme positions that are not at all in line with the vast majority of Americans. But this is a court that seems determined to move as quickly as possible to undo the progress that's been made by the court over the course of many, many decades. And when it comes to issues that involve governing not just women's reproductive rights, but really, you know, they're they're the morality police, right? It's not just that we're talking about birth control or abortion, but, you know, they seem intent to, you know, to undo the progress made in regard to same-sex marriage, or, or even if you look at Lawrence v. Texas, which I think is on the chopping block, the ability for a state to govern what kind of intimate acts people can engage in with one another, even if they are consensual adults. Right. I was at the University of Michigan yesterday where I graduated from many moons ago. And I remember my senior year having read Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale, which now everybody knows is part of common knowledge and lexicon. And, you know, it's streaming regularly. And I mean, it's dystopian fiction is the way that it was phrased when I first read it back in probably 1990. And now it's like we're inching closer to that just being our reality. And I guess the question is, are are Americans around this country, are we going to stand for it, understanding that 
you know, those who feel the way these six justices on the Supreme Court feel are in in the very much in the minority in terms of how people view the ability of government to regulate what goes on in our bedrooms. Yeah, it's funny because I am old enough to remember libertarians who seem to no longer exist, but they used to not want government intervention. But now that's, I guess, over. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's funny. I was thinking about you when we booked this because, you know, now we're we're seeing this bizarre book banning all over the nation. And we're having the same debates uh, across the state of Michigan. And it's mostly these uh, Republican activists that are trying to, frankly, stir up trouble and create myths about what goes on in our public libraries. But it made me laugh because I remember being a middle school or even I think a high school student and reading one of your mom's books. And, you know, everybody wanted to get their hands on that book, right? That book, uh, Judy Bloom's Forever. Uh, I'll never forget. Yeah. Yes, there was a lot of talk about whether those books should be um, permitted to be in our library system. My recollection is you could never actually get a hold of the book because somebody had already <laughs> always checked it out and you could, it was, there was a long waiting list for it. But, and when I finally read it, it was because my mom had purchased it and I stole it out of her closet. But, you know, I don't remember pe- like outrage against straight people for, right. you know, having the audacity to have their sex lives discussed in, in pretty graphic form in books. Nobody said like, oh, straight people. They are ruining yeah. everything. But when you have books that have graphic LGBTQ content, then it's like it's a very different story. You know, it's kind of a way in to be able to discriminate against people. It's just sort of terrifying and fascinating and strange and also quite scary. There is Republican running for governor in Minnesota who believed this viral joke about uh, a kid who identified as a cat and having a cat litter box in the lower school. And then you have in uh You have the guy who is running for governor in Pennsylvania who is saying he's going to stop pole dancing and pornography from happening in schools. I mean, are you seeing this kind of Republican panic about schools and fear mongering about things that don't even happen in schools? All over the state of Michigan that's happening right now. And what's what's sad, and I think it drives people away from wanting to be public servants and to aspire to elected office is that, well, you can't even make a joke nowadays, even in in the context where you're clearly being sarcastic or ironic, the Republicans will just take anything you say and run with it as though it's a formal public policy statement. I have just never seen such humorless people in my life, and I've never seen such intolerance in my life as well. I mean, getting to a point that I think is incredibly scary because what it does is it it really the the very dangerous rhetoric that the Republicans traffic in now it escalates the commission of hate crimes because they are constantly otherizing people and if you happen to be one of the targets of their otherizing it really grants permission for those who want to do harm to people and who have the capacity to do it thanks to the fact that it's so easy to access firearms of every kind in our state and around America it's creating this escalation in, in hate crimes and domestic terrorism. And today, my lawyers, as we speak, are in trial on the Wolverine Watchman case, where, of course, there's this plot to abduct and assassinate a sitting governor in our state. And I don't know if those things would have happened without having a Republican Party that 
was so dismissive or I don't want to just say condones that kind of violent rhetoric, but I would say supports it. I mean, I'm running against a guy who talks about palling around with the Proud Boys, who talks about the plot to, you know, to kidnap the governor uh, as something that the FBI had orchestrated and that there's no merit to it, you know, who supports the insurrectionists on January 6, 2021 at our nation's capital. And he's running to be the top law enforcement officer for a state of over 10 million people. It's just shocking. I mean, these people are being punished, right? I mean, the January 6th rioters, like a lot of these people went to jail. I mean, do you see any way to sort of sort of stop this kind of vitriol and violence? Well, I mean, I'm sort of hopeful. I don't know if this will work or not. I'm hopeful that by these extremist candidates losing, not right. I know they're not going to lose everywhere, but with for instance, the public turning away from Donald Trump, for instance. And he is obviously, first and foremost, the worst offender of this kind of language. I mean, just even his rhetoric the other day about the former Secretary of Transportation and the anti-Asian you know, Asian sentiment. And the more he talks like that, and the more the, the party embraces that, I think the more they're going to lose elections. So I'm hopeful that there will be at some point, you know, the understanding that If that's the way that you're going to talk and act, you're probably not going to be in positions of authority. So that that's one of my hopes. But there are other things, obviously, that we need to do. We need to strengthen domestic terrorist laws federally. We have, you know, almost a complete lack of ability to enforce domestic terrorism in my state. We happen to, luckily, but most states, that's not the case. So that's something that we're going to have to work on. Obviously, the easy accessibility of firearms, as long as you even have a few extremists out there, but they have easy access to assault weapons, then just a handful of people can cause a whole lot of violence and damage and injury and death and mayhem. So that's something that we're going to have to work on. But really, our country is just going to have to pull it together. And (laughs) I'm not sure how you do that with people like Donald Trump still out there who are the the leaders of one of our two major political parties, and that each and every person who runs for office seemingly um, has to bow down to him in order to get the nomination of their party. Yeah, I, I mean, it just seems to me the thing we've seen is that the more there is of this vitriol, the more, you know, it leads to hate crimes. Like, actually, you can see it. I mean, I remember reading a a study that showed that, like, you know, where Trump went, then there were, um, you know, incidences that followed. I mean, it just was so clear that there was really a through line. Oh, yeah. I, I absolutely believe that. And that's the reason that we have an entire division of my office that is dedicated to tackling hate crimes. And we work closely with law enforcement all over the state. We we work, you know, with federal authorities. We lo- work with local authorities. You know, we're trying our best, but the better thing would be if we did not have uh, those in positions of, of great authority who were egging these folks on and supporting them. Until we see a drastic shift in the public narrative, I, I think we're going to continue to have issues. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dana Nessel. Thanks for having me. And now your moment of fuckery. Molly Jong Fast. Who is this again? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jesse Cannon. <laughs> 455 episodes and you forgot my name. I didn't forget. I just got distracted <laughs> by a shiny object called Christian Walker.
Yeah. <laughs> about last night. We have our moment of fuckery. We're going to actually do two because we're so excited about all the news. So the Daily Beast, the platform that birthed my podcasting career, so I'm quite indebted to them. One, Roger Sullenberger, no relation to Sully Sullenberger. <laughs> we don't know that. It's a different name. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, it's an O versus you. You're right, you're right, 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 right. I mean, maybe they're related. Okay, one of they're related. Yeah. Sully Sullenberger's son, Roger Sullenberger, <laughs> who has changed the spelling of his name so that people don't, so he doesn't get you know, charged with nepotism. He has broken this incredible story, incredible story, but also deeply unsurprising story about Herschel Walker paying for abortion for now. And we should also say Roger also broke the stories of all the other families Herschel had before this, among other things. Right. He's on the Herschel Walker procreation beat. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, Roger's reporting, it's very rare that reporting uh, really makes a difference in an election, but his reporting is a domino that fell real fast last night. We read the reporting, which included a hand-signed get well card after said abortion, a check. And I mean, talk about receipts. You know, I think there's a valuable lesson here, which is if you're going to run for Senate and you are going to pay for many abortions, don't use a check. Uh, You know, one might say that Steve Schmidt's old saying of that running for office is a full body scan. It also is a full receipt drawer scan. Yeah. So that is uh, pretty interesting. But what is probably more interesting is that soon after the allegations about Herschel Walker's abortion paying came out, uh, Christian Walker, Herschel Walker's Christian TikTok influencer son, started tweeting (laughs) these tweets. Uh, I'm going to start with the first one. And actually, in my mind, there's like a big element of tragedy here, though Jesse and I have been arguing about this. He feels that Christian Walker is sort of a monster. But I do think he is also the victim of domestic abuse. So we have to be a little bit compassionate here. I know my mom and I would really appreciate it if my father, Herschel Walker, stopped lying and making a mockery of us. You're not a family man. When you left us to bang a bunch of women, again, you know, not the kind of feminist language that I would appreciate, but okay. Comma, threatened to kill us and had us move six times in six months running from your violence. And that the mother has gone on the record and said that the the father had put a gun to her head. I mean, this continually, the story of Herschel Walker's domestic abuse has, uh, has been chronicled throughout the campaign. I don't care about someone who has a bad past and takes accountability. Christian Walker continues, but And then we go to all caps, how dare you lie and act as though you're some kind of, quote, moral Christian upright man. You're living a life of destroying other people's lives. How dare you? And then there was more. Greg Kelly got involved in this because why Newsmax's own Greg Kelly, who has, of course, the son of uh, former police chief Ray Kelly, who has his own allegations. He got involved in this, you know, and Christian Walker sort of slapped him down. And then this morning, Christian Walker made a video. I stayed silent as the atrocities committed against my mom were downplayed. I stayed silent when it came out that my father, Herschel Walker, had all these random kids across the country, none of whom he raised. And you know my favorite issue to talk about is father absence. Surprise, because it affected me. 
That's why I talk about it all the time, because it affected me. Family values, people, he has four kids, four different women, wasn't in the house raising one of them. He was out having sex with other women. Do you care about family values? I have a silent lie after lie after lie. The abortion card drops yesterday. It's literally his handwriting in the card. They say they have receipts, whatever. He gets on Twitter. He lies about it. Okay, I'm done. Done. So here's my thing. I've read a lot of these articles where people besmirch the Gen Z and they say, oh God, we're going to have elections determined by influencers. But who knew this was going to be the first election determined by an influencer? And a Christian influencer at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that kid does not act very Christian yeah. at all. His hate and uh, bigotry. I mean, that kid is... I, the thing that makes me lose sympathy for him is that it seems he's more about his brand is rude than anything else. We still have to watch how this plays out, but it certainly is wild stuff. And it definitely gets to be the first part of our moment of fuckery. Jesse Cannon, what's our second part of the moment of fuckery? Well, you told me that you had a bone to pick and a few to break with one Elon Musk. Elon Musk, rich guy, hot take machine, has uh, weighed in on the invasion of Ukraine, and he has a few thoughts. It's so easy to not inject yourself into world diplomacy, but here we are. What I think is interesting is he does a highly scientific thing, a Twitter poll, which, as we know, is almost as accurate as actual polling. Well, I liked what he said when it started going badly for him, that he's never seen a poll with more bots on it. <laughs> Let's <laughs> try this then. The will of the people who decide who live in the Donbass and Crimea should be decided whether they're part of Russia or Ukraine. I don't know. The will of the people who live in the Donbass and Crimea should be decided whether they're part of Russia or Ukraine. It's baffling. Yes or no? I don't even know how you vote on this. <laughs> It's always amazing to me that when you're a rich white guy, you get this thing. Like Douglas Rushkoff told us you lose empathy, but the study I want to see is why they think that they know everything <laughs> on every subject. I love it. I have to tell you, like, Elon, keep going, buddy. <laughs> keep digging that hole, Chief. Exactly. That's it for this episode of Fast Politics. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to hear the best minds in politics make sense of all this chaos. If you enjoyed what you've heard, please send it to a friend and keep the conversation going. And again, thanks for listening. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.
Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive non-stop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination. So pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation.